think that we only use about 10% of our brains. Some people may be more, okay? And then those other people that we think of as supernatural, they have special gifts or psychic, whatever you want to call them. They seem to be able to tap into these other parts of their brain, right? And, and even these stories of that man they just found recently in the as to why I get prophetic thoughts. Why do I get premonitions? Why do I know about things that are going to happen the day before they happen? Um, I was a pastor's wife. We did deliverance things. We went into houses where green eyeballs came at us. I went. That is a preview of today's episode. This is one you will not want to miss. We are going to talk about sacred and medicinal plants, psychedelics, consciousness, health, and human performance. Joining us to explore these exciting topics is a best-selling author, researcher, and true practitioner of psychology, archaeology, and anthropology. Her name is Donna Stanley. I hope everyone is enjoying the Afterlife Podcast. If you have not done so already, please subscribe and share this with your friends. I also want to let you know about two brand new sweatshirts that are now available on our website. All proceeds help support our research. The link is in today's show notes. Let's get started with today's episode. Can science and technology prove that there is life after death? What about answering the question, are UFOs real? Is there a life away from planet Earth? Join us as we try to solve two of the biggest mysteries that have remained unsolved for nearly 200,000 years. Welcome to the Afterlife Podcast, and here is your host, Mark DeLuca. A disclaimer for this episode, as described on Donna's website, she lives in the beautiful endless mountains of northeastern Pennsylvania. We did use our mobile recording technology for this episode and coupled with Donna living off-grid, so to speak, you may hear a few breaks in the audio throughout the podcast. They are very short, and the overall power and intent of this podcast is so very strong, and it's one you're not going to want to miss. Now, talking about Donna's website, the link to that is in today's show notes. That's where you can find more information about Donna, her contact information, and also her book, New Wings, which I strongly suggest that you check out. What I want to do is, is, is first thank you, you know, for connecting with me. I truly enjoy being able to talk and network with not only like-minded people, but people that are leading the industry that they're in and that are just simply enjoying life. So mm-hmm. again, thank you for that. Sure. Um, My I'd like to keep things really interesting. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we generated just two random icebreaker questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first one, if it's okay, is are you a, are you more productive in the morning or at night? Oh, in the morning. <laughs> I'm up early and I'm done by one, man. <laughs> Whole day's work. <laughs> That's funny you say that because I'm the same way, you know, it's, it's, as I get older, I now have this, you know, ritual where I'll wake up early in the morning. Of course, I, you know, slam coffee and then I'll do a little work, mm-hmm. do some meditation. I do some cold water therapy, which we'll talk about here in this episode later mm-hmm. on. But, uh, you know, that really kind of sets me up for success, you know, so that's cool to hear you're yeah. a morning person as well. I am. Um, 
Second question. What is a current trend that you just don't freaking understand that is happening right now? (laughs) Trend. Oh my goodness. What trend? Um, there's some fashion trends that drive me crazy. That's about <laughs> yeah. Um, guys and joggers right now, I can't handle. <laughs> oh my! I, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Neither can my husband. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It's as bad as the jumpers that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> when I say sacred plant, I'm talking about a plant or tree that is considered to be worthy of spiritual respect, one that can bring about joy, health and achieve levels of mindfulness never experienced before. This is the fascinating world of sacred plants. Archaeological excavations and written records dated as early as 700 BC have focused around the use of medicinal plants. In these early cultures, plant teachers used plants and other healing techniques to help cure people. This practice is called shamanism, which is a kind of spirit medicine still practiced in many parts of the world. I am interested to see how plant medicine influences and affects consciousness. Can this medicine save lives? Can it increase our overall health? This is undoubtedly a heavy and challenging topic to explore, and I am very glad that you are here to talk about this with me, Donna. Welcome to the Afterlife Podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) I'm excited. So will you share with us what you currently do for a living and how it relates to the topics that we're going to talk about today? Sure. I am a psychologist and then I'm also an anthropologist. Um, My uh, minors are in archaeology, psychology, and women's. So those um, majors... uh, (laughs) made me walk through some interesting doors, even in college, even in university. Um, Some of the things we were exposed to, religions, you know, um, religion, anthropology was one of the things I specialized in. Um, Psychedelics came up a lot because we were all teenagers, you know, well, teenagers or young adults and uh, researching sacred plants and roots and psychedelics. We were like in the library taking out all those books, you know, (laughs) so um, I think that's where some of the curiosity for me came. Of course, shamanism, how these plants were used in ritual in many different cultures. They were used differently um, through history um, and even through the world today. Um, You're right. There's a lot of general statements you made that are exactly right. Um, They can be used to commune with the ancestors. Some people use them for visions, prophetic healing, like you mentioned, um, all kinds of different things. In researching life after death, consciousness is something that is indirectly studied. And I believe when trying to figure out what exactly is happening with life after death, we have to better understand consciousness and its quantum principles, such as meta-awareness. To do this, I'd like to take a closer look at studying and researching both the positive and negative effects of psychedelics, consciousness, and also uh, meditation. I once heard the saying that we know more about the surface of the moon than we do the human brain. We see these acts of exceptional skills that are almost too hard to explain. 
I'd like to give you an example. Are you familiar with a gentleman by the name of Wim Hof? No. Okay. Well, with just mind control, he can regulate his body temperature, allowing him to run barefoot in the snow, sit in a bath of ice for a couple of hours, or even run a desert marathon without drinking water. Wim says that he stays warm by thinking and breathing. He basically directs his mind to work with his hormonal system, basically allowing his cells to produce more metabolic activity that is therefore converted into energy. The Wim Hof method is something that I am currently researching and in the early phases of exploring right now. There's basically three different elements to the method. The first being the power of breathing. The second, the power of cold therapy. And the third, the power of your mind. This has actually been shown to work with people that suffer from autoimmune syndromes to anxiety and depression. With that said, hopefully soon I'll have some research data to share with everyone. The reason why I talk about all of this is because it shows just how important and critical consciousness and meta-awareness really is. By definition, consciousness refers to your individual awareness of your unique thoughts, memories, feelings, sensations, and environments. Essentially, your consciousness is your awareness of yourself and the world around you. Our explanation primarily originates from science, where answers originate from what is publicly observable. What if more is actually going on behind the scenes that we are unaware and unfamiliar with? First, what are your thoughts about life after death? Hmm. Well, that sounds like there's two questions there. So I'm going to ask, answer both. <laughs> um, one is you're asking about consciousness. And one of the, re- I don't know if you've already talked about this in a podcast or something you've, you know, theorized about, but you know, you've, you've heard how we, we think that we only use about 10% of our brains. Some people may be more. Okay. And then there's other people that we think of as supernatural. They have special gifts or psychic, whatever you want to call them. They seem to be able to tap into these other parts of their brain. Right. And, and even these stories of that man, they just found recently in the news, who was 200 years old and the way he had altered his breathing and what he was putting in his bodies and everything to, to keep him alive, but he looked dead. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I wonder sometimes, and maybe we could get into this later, how psychedelics open up the other 90% of our brain, because I happen to know that when using them, there are many people, whether it's engineers or there's people that are the creatives, it will open up their mind. It will connect dots. It will bring new ideas. It'll bring things together. So I think it's really helpful in unlocking some of these things that make us be able to have power over things like you said, breath and a control of our body. If we hit cold water, um, controlling our mind, you know, and psychedelics. And when we come away from them, a lot of people say, I had a, a life changing experience. That means something changed. Want to call it physical or spiritual? I don't, but I will say, um, because I have more of a, um, an evangelical, you know, Christian mind view of the world, 
I tend to think a lot about how psychedelics can relate to near death experience or life after death, or even the experience of being in a trip being very similar to what we might experience when we're going towards that light. We always talk about, right? Yeah. (laughs) If you think about um, the phosphines of our eyes and the lights behind our eyes and how psychedelics um, enhance that. And they bring these patterns and they all come from this center light and if any of you are listening, you know what I mean. Um, it almost feels like that. You know, it's comforting. It's not, it's not alarming. It uh, reminds me a lot of what people experience with NDEs. That's interesting. Now, Donna, do you meditate? I do. I actually, um, honestly, the reason I got into psychedelics to begin with was for meditation. Okay. How long have you been meditating? That was my motivation. It's been an entire year now. I personally have been meditating also just over a year now. And the amount of growth that I have seen both professionally and personally has been amazing. It's, you know, to, to be able to connect with your true self as if you are shining a flashlight from the inside and having the capability to self-reflect is incredible. Now, there's actually some very good positive things that originate from meditation, and these have been confirmed with brain scans such as fMRIs and EEGs that show meditation helps relieve our subjective levels of anxiety and depression and improve attention, concentration, and overall well-being. Uh, Specifically, mindfulness meditation decreases activity in an area of the brain called the default mode network. The, the This area of the brain is actually responsible for mind wandering and self-reflecting uh, thoughts, right? Uh, you know, one particular study that I really enjoy is one that was conducted at John Hopkins University, where it actually identified that meditation has an equal effect to antidepressants. So if we think about that for just a moment, we every day have young people to adults being prescribed antidepressants and many other types of medication to help treat their depression, anxiety, stress. If we were able to flip the script on that a little bit and focus more toward natural solutions such as meditation, where we know it's it's factually been identified through very effective research that it has the same effects as antidepressants, why would we not do that, right? We can see that obtaining the answers to the questions we seek is simply by, it's it's not binary, a yes or no. It's actually much more complex where each instance can be quantified into smaller research segments. I believe it's at this intersecting point when all of the information comes together the puzzle will be built and the answers will be revealed. That is why asking the question of why and how is so important. Now, do you believe that we should rely more on a method such as meditation versus antidepressants? I absolutely believe it. Um, One of the things that my husband and I have carried through as far as integrating our experience is like when we get up now in the morning, we have a meditation. Uh, it's called Encounter Online, where it's a half hour meditation. And this 
you through amazing ways to like think and how to how to think about something and it just um it's really changed us in in the way we start our day and our mindset you know just as well as the meditation we're doing kind of on a weekly basis we'll spend three four hours clear meditation it is life-changing as you know when you come out of that and you take away all the other junk in your brain And there's something about psychedelics that allow you to concentrate. And I think that's why you find a lot of even, you know, evangelical Christians who think they'd never touch something like that thinking, this is something that will help my brain get to the point where I can meditate even, (laughs) you know, absolutely. I know a lot, especially if they suffer with ADD or other kind of issues, they may have a hard time even concentrating to the point of meditation to getting the results they want. Yeah. I mean, you know, well said. I think, you know, when we look at this, you know, getting the answers that, that we're seeking as far as, you know, what is consciousness or, you know, I, I, it's not binary, right? So it's not a yes or no. It's actually much more complex where each instance can be quantified into these smaller research segments. And I believe it's, it, it's at this intersecting point when all of the information comes together the puzzle will be built and the answers will therefore be revealed. And that's why, you know, ultimately asking the question of why and how and research is so important. Right. Right. Um, So I'd like to, you know, take this as a segue and and start our path down talking about sacred plants, medicinal plants, and and getting Mm -hmm. to talking about psychedelics. Um, There's actually two specific, uh, points I'd like to talk around with psychedelics today and that's that's DMT mm-hmm. um, you know that will lead us into talking about you know near, near-death experiences and then also psilocybin yes. and then and then of course anything else that you'd like to uh, talk about but you know when we look at sacred mm. plants the, the use of sacred plants is believed to give people direct access to a divine experience and produce a radical difference from traditional medicine practices mm-hmm. they they also promote health and wellness where synthesized chemicals and compounds are excluded that often in many cases are toxic. Would you say my definition of sacred plants is accurate? And will you share with us some details around this fascinating world of sacred plants? Okay. Well, my little two cents would be this. I do come from the perspective of an herbologist and I've been that way for 30 years. So I'm always that person who seeks out the natural first. <laughs> so the sacred plants were just came so natural to me. I, I didn't even, it didn't even enter my mind till later. And I started doing intense research, you know, DMT and ketamine and all that kind of stuff. Never even entered my mind at that point. Um, but I have some friends who've done some of these different kinds of um, psychedelics, experimented with them, done them under um, situations where they've done one-on-one counseling and guides with them. Um, what I found is DMT in general, I have heard is not quite as addicting. The uh, Just like mushrooms, we, we don't think of them as addictive drug, even though they are hallucinogenic. I think what we crave or we are addicted to is the way we feel whether that's DMT or whether that's a mushroom or a truffle or whatever it is, a, a cigarette. That's where I think addiction lies mostly. Um, I feel that the way they're approaching DMT is a really great um, alternative, especially for the medical community. 
Um, I think there's some controls there <laughs> that are really helpful yeah. um, that people doing it on their own and winging it don't have. They don't have a guide. They don't have somebody there to ground them, understand what's happening. Um, I've not heard a lot about the toxicity because I haven't heard about long-term use of it. So that's somewhere I can't really speak to. Well, and so let me ask you this. Um, yeah. Why do you believe that sacred and medicinal plants have as much pushback from society as they do? I think it gives as much power to us um, physically, spiritually, mentally. It gives us an edge. I mean, it's weird to say, I've heard people experience psychedelics and feel like they had superhuman strength afterwards, superhuman abilities, supernatural powers. I mean, that's something I can get into later that I've experienced that happened as a result. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm really Strange interested to hear but that. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, Strange really... but true, but just as powerful, I will tell you. I'm really interested to hear that here in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I often think, how did we go you know, from all natural, you know, like you just talked on with sacred, um, sacred plants to where we are today throughout early history, cultures mm -hmm. believe plants possess this vital spirit that was responsible for its effects. Mm -hmm. And it was actually in the 1800s when scientists first isolated morphine from opium. And it was mm -hmm. this event that actually started what I'll coin is this biomedical revolution that we still see today. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this eventually led scientists to start synthesizing the compounds required to make medicine. Uh, the issue with this is that many of the synthesized mm -hmm. compounds used are much stronger and yep. toxic than their natural yep. counterparts. How, right. how do you feel about that? I absolutely agree with that hundred percent, that statement. Yep. So, so going back now, um, you know, you talked about DMT earlier mm -hmm. and you know, just to let our listeners know dmt is perhaps best known as the hallucinogenic compound in ayahuasca mm -hmm. and this is a a bitter brown liquid that's created by actually combining two plants the yes. ayahuasca vine and a uh -huh. shrub is that right that's right and to my knowledge, and you know, from much of the research we've done, DMT has actually been used for centuries, primarily for ritual and medicinal use by yep. tribes in the Amazon. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, when we look at DMT, especially in the past few years, we see that it's being used more and more right alongside psilocybin to mm -hmm. try to overcome uh, depression, uh, anxiety, stress. Um, something that I'm really interested in is seeing it used to help combat <clears throat> post-traumatic stress in our military veterans, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, I know personally, um, I have friends that are military veterans <clears throat> that I served with that have gone through horrific things and they're actually making their way down um, outside of the United States to seek this treatment and they have spoke so heavily mm -hmm. it. what what do you think it is exactly as far as what's going on in the brain or the body mm -hmm. that that is allowing people that consume dmt or psilocybin to overcome many of the challenges that they experience 
Well, I didn't get to really tell my story, but I can tell you this. I grew up with childhood um, trauma, very bad childhood trauma. Um, I've also um, known people in the military who've experienced PTSD from things that they've gone through. Um, Number one will tell you that the best therapy I ever had for the stress I went through came through psychedelics. It helped my mind to process what I'd gone through. It helped me to look at it almost like somebody standing outside looking in instead of it being me, where I could have more of an objective view. Um, it helped calm me. I mean, it was, a, it was a mind healing process, and I'm sure DMT does the same thing with post-traumatic stress syndrome that I can tell you I've personally experienced. So I think anything we can do for military veterans who are suffering from anything like this, we should do. They deserve it. They need this. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, something that we've actually researched pretty heavily and, you know, we've, we've been able to communicate and Mm. review research has actually been conducted by doctors and those that are actually working with people that are dying every single day mm. is this relationship between DMT and near-death experiences, mm-hmm. right? When we look at the experiences for mm. both, they are almost identical with a few yep. exceptions, right? I so, agree. Yep. Well, so, you know, so when we look at these experiences, we see that almost all of them include mm. seeing a bright light a Mm -hmm. sense of detachment from the body, a feeling of security and warmth, Um, sometimes, you know, visually encountering spiritual beings that they identify as angels. Yes. Uh, Almost all of these experiences involve a alteration of space, time, and distance as we know it today in our current world that we live in, right? Yes. So, you know, when I think about this, there's really three possibilities that, that come to mind when a person uses DMT, right? Mm-hmm. The first is, is that the experience itself is somehow intertangled and allows us to either communicate or enter into this world that we would describe as life after death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. The, the second possible option here is that DMT, um, you know, many people, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, um, suggest that DMT may actually be produced by the human body, right? I've read that, yes. Um, so the, the theory behind that is DMT could potentially be stored in the body, whether that's the brain or, you know, somewhere within the central nervous system. And during these very traumatic experiences, right? So when the body knows that it's, it's dying, mm-hmm. um, it, it actually will, you know, release this DMT. So, so that way mm-hmm. it not only calms the person and relaxes them, but, you know, it, it will actually um, potentially save the brain cells um, mm. from, from dying. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is because there's actually a, a study that was conducted in a laboratory that looked at DMT and mm-hmm. what was identified was how DMT could protect 
human brain cells from damage caused by lacks of oxygen and increased cell survival. Mm. Um, you know, so that's, that's why I bring that up as a possible um, second theory. And then we move into the, the third and final one that, that we've actually looked at um, very intimately is the idea that, you know, the first and second theory somehow work in, you know, uh, connection or parallel with one another, right? So what we may actually be experiencing is both not only a, a spiritual experience, but also something that identifies more towards science and medicine mm-hmm. as well. Um, do you have any thoughts to any of that? Yeah, I, I actually thought you were going to say something about the fact that the DNT not only um, gives that feeling of calm and everything like that, but um, also I feel like with the near-death experience, you've got that feeling of calm and everything, but you've also got this, um, I don't know what to say. I mean, I've heard people who've had psychedelics who said, you know, I'm not afraid of death now. Okay. So it mimics death in a positive way for, I guess, many people. I can't say everybody. So with a near-death experience, we know that the body stops working, the heart stops beating, a person stops breathing, the brain cells begin to die. That's anywhere from a few minutes on upwards to a few hours. During a near-death experience, a person becomes clinically dead, right? Yet somehow throughout this process, they are revived. And when they regain consciousness, in some of those instances, they talk about an experience much like that is described in what we talked about earlier with DMT and the overall near-death experience. What do you think it is that is actually happening that allows for an NDE to take place? You know, that was, it's a really good question. And it's something that I think needs to be studied cross-culturally because a lot of times we interpret what we see in psychedelic experiences with not only our society and our culture, but our spiritual beliefs. And there's a lot of talk amongst people who use psychedelics as to, you know, is yours like mine or is yours totally different than mine? Is there, you know, as many people on the earth as there's that many different psychedelic experiences based on our background, our experience, our belief system, right? Yeah. So in, in Western society, I would say, yes, when we have those experiences and somebody asks us after they bring the way we're going to interpret it as is exactly how you and I have been saying the light, the patterns, the peace, the colors. I saw people, I saw peaceful spirits, you know, now I don't know if I talked to somebody in a totally different religion from a totally different culture, if I would get that same thing. Cause I haven't always gotten that same story. Yeah cross-culturally and that's why i think anthropology is going to be really interesting in integrating it into what we understand about how people react and what they experience with these drugs based on their background next i'd like to talk about the second psychedelic and that's psilocybin Uh, psilocybin is a main psychedelic agent of a psychoactive mushroom that's actually where the name magic mushroom originates from Here is what happens when you take psilocybin. Upon ingesting, your stomach turns psilocybin into a chemical that binds 
to your serotonin receptor called 2A. Your brain then goes through a rapid change with increased activity in the visual cortex. This creates changes in perception. You also experience decreased network activity in the default mode network. This decrease is attributed to a loss of ego. This 2A receptor activation allows for areas of your brain that normally do not communicate with one another to do so. When new areas in the brain start talking to each other, this is when you start to have new insights into old problems. Will you be so kind to share a psilocybin experience with us? I sure will. Um, first of all, the, most of the reason that I really was interested in getting into this, like I said, was for meditation. But there was a lot of questions I had in my life at the time that I wanted to process correctly. Okay. So in order to do that, I decided I was going to go into this meditation. I was going to let it come. Like you said, wasn't going to fight it. I'd read a lot about it. Things came at me. It said to process them as they come. Don't fight them. Okay. Um, the other thing a lot of people I think also need to hear is that this is only my personal experience with psilocybin. I've not heard as many stories about bad trips, although people do have bad trips on mushrooms, <laughs> you know, you can feel like your face is melting off just like something medical. Um, so some of them just don't care to go that far. Um, but yes, certainly, um, they alter, uh, it, they alter everything. And I can tell you my psilocybin experience was first of all, uh, um, calming in that I just started meditating. So I really didn't, I didn't go deep into it <laughs> right away. I didn't realize where I was going. I didn't have any idea that there would actually be an alteration even of time and space, um, time slipping, um, recall of memories that I had stuffed and forgotten since childhood. I could recall with precise detail to my husband, um, to my mother who could confirmed to me, you know? <laughs> so I also found that, um, and again, this may be from my biblical world life view, maybe from growing up. Yes. I, I felt an increased activity, which was a surprise to me. Um, I was very conscious of it and I was conscious of it, even not using psilocybin. It activated something whether it was in my, in my spirit, we talk about soul, we talk about spirit, we talk about consciousness. I don't know where that happened. I tend to think it was in my soul somewhere, <laughs> but I think it opened up parts of my brain, honestly, that I talked about. We don't use, we don't perceive with these deep insights that I got as to why I get prophetic thoughts. Why do I get premonitions? Why do I know about things that are going to happen the day before they happen? Um, I was a pastor's wife. We did deliverance things. We went into houses where green eyeballs came at us. I went into a room where there was a child where, you know, flies would fall and scream and cry. You know, we went through some really crazy stuff. You know, with, with more people starting to share their stories, research mm -hmm. is really starting to evolve and you know, we're, we're starting to get many of the answers that, that we're, you know, seeking. Um, do you think that psychedelics will be used more and more in the future to treat things like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress? 
I do because I've tried all. Um, I even was a marijuana patient that made me feel unproductive and depressed. It was very expensive, and I I just didn't like it. It didn't make me feel good. This was the first thing that actually helped me feel good, made me heal. And I didn't have any side effects. I actually had some really good, nice benefits. I had benefits from this I had not yeah. even planned on. Well, you know, I'll tell you something that, that interests me is if we have the availability to offer a natural compound to somebody that is going mm-hmm. through something that could potentially heal them versus giving them something that is a hardcore illicit drug that's very toxic and is known to have many uh, terrible side effects from it. Why in the world would we not do that? Um, So Mm -hmm. that brings me to asking you, what are your thoughts about regulation? Do you think that when we finally get to a point like we are right now, where we're seeing marijuana legalized in many Mm -hmm. states, do you think that we need to have some type of regulation behind psychedelics? Just like with anything, there's always going to be there um, who's going to misuse it. Unfortunately, um, it's a it's a powerful thing. It's not just a little piece of parsley. You know, no, we're talking about a powerful, powerful, I believe, natural drug. Okay, so, so I don't believe in the kind of people that want to go get some shrooms and party. I mean, I've seen some people really destroy their lives when they go into a psychedelic with no purpose. I feel there's a need to go, and like you and I did, I want to meditate. Or I want to deal with this, you know, psychological trauma I went through. I feel like a goal is a good place for people to start no matter what it is. And if we can keep that there um, with some regulation and people who can guide people, even the pharmacists who sit in the medical marijuana dispensaries, they really guide you. You can process things with them. You know, if something's going wrong, they can help you work it out. Um, so, like, this rise in people that are do or guiding people, I think, is it's exploding and is going to continue. I have a feeling psychology is going to take over this field for some reason in the medical field. And I'm a, a little nervous about that. Totally. Yeah. Being I, taken over. I, I agree with that. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be maybe, you know, um, partitioned out into certain ones and which ones are regulated and not regulated. I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think that we're going to, you know, first off, I think that we absolutely need to continue our research with psychedelics um, and and psychoactive, you know, compounds versus continually offering antidepressants and drugs out to people that are, you know, not only, toxic for them but also you know leading them to addiction right leading them mm-hmm, to heroin right. or you know other things but you know i think that there absolutely needs to be some type of regulation uh, you know because you know th- there's always going to be good but where there's good there's evil right so you're going to right. have people that mm-hmm. just like we see today that are advertising that they are mm-hmm. whether we want to call them a shine or you know they they can facilitate this wonderful experience, but then at the same time, they're going to start to, you know, misuse it. They're going to start to, you know, add in other 
drugs that should not be added into this. Um, exactly. And I think that's when we're going to start to see mm. you know, major issues. As far as the government coming in and taking over, I mean, I think there absolutely mm. needs to be regulation, but that regulation needs to be, you know, controlled in a looser type of way. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be able to give people the flexibility to explore this, uh, but still have oversight. Right. Right. You know, where, you know, Mm -hmm. much like if you think of Colorado with the marijuana industry where, Mm -hmm. you know, they're regulating from a sense of making sure that people are not um, diluting the the actual THC itself or you know doing things that they're not supposed to. That's right. That's right. Um, So, you know, you talked briefly Mm -hmm. about you know, paranormal incidents is what I'm going to call them to start, Mm, Um, you know, which therefore leads us into the spiritual realm of life after death Mm. and whether the consciousness lives on, you know, that's, that's something that is core at the research that we are doing here with mission afterlife. Um, You know, when Mm. we first started this, we made the hard determination that we were going to lie directly in the middle and allow science and technology to lead us to the facts, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we have what we call our quantum research laboratory. This is where we're developing uh, different type of of systems that we hope to use to better detect um, and validate if there is first an afterlife. And then if we are able to get to that point, start to research, well, what is the process, right? So when we go from being a living person here on earth and somehow moving into this other realm of, of you know, afterlife, what does that process look like? Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we've noticed and, you know, biggest advantages, I should say, is social networking, right? Hmm. Hearing people's stories and mm-hmm. incidents from around the world and then you're know, hearing the feedback from each one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, can you know when you think back to your time and all the different paranormal incidents or spiritual events mm-hmm. that, that you've gone through? What are some of the top ones that you know just really fascinated you? Well, like I said, the, the time slipping is is mind-boggling. I'm interested in quantum physics <laughs> and did some reading this week on um you know quantum relativity but that was fascinating to me because i've always been fascinated with time travel period um so that happened to me in many different ways um in experiences that in the past i would go back and relive them um i would have solutions to problems i've been trying to solve in my professional life happen to me immediately within an instant um i would i would experience healing in my body serious physical healing things that i've had for 30 years that doctors could never treat or do anything with um music that i thought of in the radio if i was listening to the radio would come on the radio immediately right then (laughs) that happened many times that freaks you a little bit and puts chills (laughs) up your your spine um I, my horse was dying. It was dead. I put, I laid hands on my horse. It jumped. I mean, jumped up in the air and ran across the field. That was one of the first things that happened to me that would just blew my mind. Um, 
yeah, I, I've been attacked spiritual things. Um, but I've also experienced what I would consider more um, benevolent spirits because I'm talking to people from all cultures because I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? <laughs> um, be very careful in what you designate those things that you come in contact with. I, w- I, would, I would throw that out there. Um, and mm-hmm. you can interpret that through your belief system. I think each person who's listening what what you need to do in that situation um i don't i I was tempted to kind of veer into the psychic end of it because that's all i had to relate it to as a child but i did not go totally off into that end of it because i realized in my experiences that there were demonic spirits there were evil spirits and they did know the exact same information that the benevolent spirits did and i didn't want to have anything to do with them because they may have been fun at the beginning. At the end, they were no fun. <laughs> so I learned in this experience, just like in the military, there are ranks of, of spirits. And you have to respect that realm very carefully. Wow, what an incredible episode. Big thank you to Donna Stanley for joining us here on the Afterlife Podcast. As a reminder, the link to her website is in today's show notes. That's where you'll find her book, as well as some other information. Key takeaway for me from our discussion is that we absolutely need to continue our research with consciousness and also look at how different parts of the brain communicate with each other and the big picture behind all of that. I believe that we absolutely have to continue to look at psychedelics if they are positively influencing things like... uh, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, especially for our veterans, why in the hell would we not want to take a natural approach versus prescribing antidepressants and the full cocktail of narcotics? It just makes sense, right? Also, as a reminder, we have two brand new sweatshirts that are now available. The link to our website is in the show notes. All proceeds help support our research. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. Take care.